Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the pod that shares the stories of those affected by suicide. Lost a loved one? Attempted it yourself? Did you know that when you share a burden, the load is lightened? Come listen in with your host, Elaine Lindsay. Please note, this pod covers some heavy topics. Some of it can be triggers. Thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, This is going to be a solo podcast. I won't have a guest today. And uh, I've missed a couple of weeks due to uh, some much-needed travel. Uh, First, I traveled to kind of get my kids straight and go somewhere warm. And secondly, I traveled for... uh, a conference, or should I say an unconference? Uh, I went to something called the Gathering uh, in Banff, Alberta. And the entire concept as a, a business unconference this year was about culture, connection, and collaboration. And I think all of those things together speak to some of the issues that we talk about here on the podcast. It's clearly been a couple of very difficult years for pretty much everybody. And uh, contrary to what we're seeing in in some of the um, information that that's out there from 2020, it actually says that the suicide rate was down in 2020. Uh, now, in fact, it says that the calls to the Canada Suicide Prevention Service were up. 200% in 2020 over 2019 because to cope with the stress and the loneliness or the boredom, Canadians are drinking more, smoking more, and doing more drugs. You know, now we've all been in a weird place. The, the trauma from now, no longer just a year, but you know, over two years of lockdown, social distancing, people losing their jobs, broken relationships, bankrupt businesses. Uh, It's it's well-documented everywhere. But I believe we haven't seen the other shoe drop, so to speak. I guess it's how, how best to say it. I think it's going to come out in the wash that the numbers, perhaps not substantially different, will not end up lower. This imposed solitude for so many, this very, for others, dangerous time has Know, increased the issues that we can have, especially when we're you know, forced to, to be with ourselves. The 
statistics from the Crisis Services Canada website say that there are about 4,000 people who die by suicide each year in Canada. But for every death, there are 20 to 25 attempts. And that means an average of 275 people attempt suicide in Canada every single day. Now, it's only, I shouldn't say only, we lose 11 people a day by suicide. So based on those 275 attempts a day, it may seem like a lower number. I think any number is too high. Because for each of those 11 suicides, there are at minimum seven to 10 people who will be permanently affected by that loss. And anyone who's listened to the podcast before knows that as a 16 year old, I lost a friend. I learned much later in life that when I was seven, we lost my father's sister as well. And in all likelihood, as she was a suicide brought on by domestic violence. But what I want to cover and, and what has become evident over this pandemic is that there are some high rates in certain areas or certain professions that some people probably would not have thought about. And, and that proportionally, the number of suicides among veterinarians is extremely high. And as a, a true animal lover, I can understand that. It, it, uh, it absolutely guts me every day to, to see posts on social media from people who have just lost their pet, uh, be it to old age or an accident or, or parvo or something else. Uh, that kind of totally unconditional love is really hard to lose. But another statistic that sort of was part of the impetus for, for me doing the podcast was men age 45 to 64. Uh, a really large preponderance of men in um, the overall deaths in that age group were due to suicide. What I want to kind of focus on today is that suicide accounts for 24% of all deaths among 15 to 24 year olds living in Canada. And that statistic 
is based on those that are reported. Because sadly, we still have all the stigma and shame and guilt surrounding suicide, that these things are not always openly reported. The issues with mental health are coming to the forefront now, and we are all being much more open about the struggles that we have and the struggles that we see in those around us. I don't think that being hypervigilant is useful uh, because that could also cause people to crack even faster, if not worse. But I think it's really important that we acknowledge to those around us, friends, family, when we're not okay. I come from a British family and the, you know, the, the overall credo running through the family was always stiff upper lip. You, you didn't air your dirty laundry. You didn't, you didn't put your struggles out there. You kept them to yourself. And I was the type of child that I took that to the extreme. I was under the impression that any and or all battles I should fight on my own, whether rightly or wrongly. It took me a very long, long time, actually, until 2013 to really understand that sharing your story can not only be very healing for you, it can give hope to somebody else who's struggling. They may not have the same story, but they may have the same feeling. They may have the same underlying issues and the underlying shame and guilt that they don't want to share it with people. You know, none of us walk the same path. There, are, there aren't two of us that share the exact same story. But what does unite us as humans is somewhere in there. We each have the ability to call on courage to, to help us give voice to what's bothering us, to, to sometimes be able to reach out, to connect with someone to try and find help. And I, I say it all the time, that if you put the vibes out to the universe that you're looking to connect, you're looking for help, you will find it. You just have to remain open. 
because I've learned that I can talk all I want. I can tell my story all I want. The best, most powerful thing I can do for somebody else is listen to their story. It's not about me fixing, although for many, many years, that's always what I thought, that I needed to charge in on my white horse and, and help everybody. And now know that one, it's just not possible. Uh, and two, well, let's be honest, I can't even get up on the horse anymore. And I know I can't seem to do anything without injecting some kind of weird, dark humor. But the fact is, I can honestly say that that bent sense of humor has helped me to be here. I credit Andrea with that best, worst gift she could ever give in leaving me as one left behind. It meant I could never unknowingly cause that kind of pain to those around me. And saying that is not a judgment. It's certainly not a judgment on Andrea. It's actually a thank you. Because I see, certainly didn't know back then of the challenges that I would face in my life. I didn't know of the mountains and mountains of pain uh, that I have to face. And I certainly had no idea or understanding of the mental tortures that we put ourselves through. With or without help. And I have to say, although I've never gone for therapy of a, a clinical nature, I have had incredible mentors. I have a spiritual advisor that my son has nicknamed the Holistic Missile. And I've been blessed to have people around me that, that helped me call on courage and gave me the strength to keep going, to get through those really bad days. And I have to say, it was only about a year ago that I learned of Frank King, who is uh, one of my podcast guests. Uh, I'll put a link below uh, today's episode because it was in hearing Frank King that I understood that I wasn't the only strange one on the planet. Because, see, suicide always seemed to be an option. Didn't matter what was happening. Uh, didn't matter if it burnt the toast or had a car accident 
or who knows what happened. One of the options always seemed to be, well, I could just leave. And it became such a, a deep well of shame that I had these, to me, bizarre, bizarre thoughts that no other human on the planet could possibly ever think that I was such a strange being. And here, about a year ago, I happened to hear Frank King talking, and he said that suicidal ideation for him was almost a daily thing. And that when he spoke about it, when he was on stage, there was always at least one person who came up when he was done and said, oh my God, I thought I was the only one. You know, even in our darkest bits, we humans can be incredibly self-centered, incredibly conceited in a way. And I have to laugh because each and every one of us think that our story is the only one. We're the only one that thought or felt or said or did whatever that was. Only to find out that someone like fashion, <laughs> uh, things just recycle and everybody gets there at some point. Maybe not the ballroom jeans. <laughs> That those were the singularly widest bell bottoms ever. Uh, not exactly like that, but that, that general, there are those general ideas that come to groups of humans. Not everybody has brown eyes, not everybody has blue eyes, not everybody is so certain as a child of what they want to be when they grow up, that they go on and follow that one path. See, all of these things where we think that we're the only one who's ever, ever been done, said, thought, heard, only to find out later in life that we really are not alone. And in that, which some people may find sad, I say, take the, take the, I want to say gratitude, because in us not being the only one, that means that there's always hope. There's always hope for you and hope for me. Even in those dark, dark moments. And I found over time, for me, the best thing I can do is try and sit. When the, the pain or the 
mental garbage gets to be too, too much. If you go to sleep, even for 20 minutes, those first, I don't know, 13 to 17 seconds, as you're waking up, you've got a completely clean slate. There's nothing there. You're coming back into consciousness basically as a new being. You have the opportunity to make the choice to be someone different, to do something different, to think something different. And all of that can happen each and every time. You close your eyes. People who do mindful meditations, you can take three minutes and just be alone with yourself. You know, take a big imaginary eraser and just erase all the crap. Or you can start with a blank slate. And build the life that you want. It really is up to us. You know, I make a I make a joke of of my extreme optimism. You know, optimists and pessimists may see a half-filled or half-empty glass. In my case, I've taken it to the extreme. Said, where you find a giant pile of horseshit, you might as well start digging because there's a pony there somewhere. And, and that attitude, although that is extreme, that attitude is what I try to bring to each and every day. And trust me, it doesn't always work. There are some real boohoo days. There are some real, oh, boohoo, woe is me, poor me, yada, yada. But I never lose sight of the fact that I always have the choice as to how I react to each and everything. And I can say I'm finally getting better at reacting to some of this stuff that, well, it can quite frankly make me crazy. I don't listen to the news very much. I try to not let all that negativity in because it does just make us crazy. And taking an approach to protect ourselves, to shield ourselves from the things that we find detrimental. And we all know the things that bother us. You know, for, for people who, who don't like big crowds and, and loud music and, and, you know, strobing lights, it's really simple. Don't go to a heavy metal concert. Like that's a, that's a pretty reasonable thing not to do if those things 
make you uncomfortable. So it's just a matter of always knowing that the bottom line is you are in charge. And I know I'm not speaking to everybody when, when you are deep in the throes of mental illness. It can be incredibly difficult to see past that. But you have doctors, nurses. You may have a friend that is able to help you, talk you off that ledge to let you come to a place of more clarity so that you can decide how you're going to react going forward. And trust me, I'm no saint, it does not always work. There are days where oh, I feel like I'm sitting on my own shoulder going, what is wrong with you? Just shut your mouth and stop being such a nut bar. And yes, I know that's probably not a politically correct thing to say, even to myself. But there are certain things that are out in the world and, and choices that politicians make and, and different things that just make us shake our heads. And the fact is, we probably can't make a huge amount of difference to what's going on outside, but we can make a huge difference to how we respond to all of that stimuli. And sometimes it's just better to go take a nap. Throw those covers over your head and give yourself the opportunity to wake up fresh with a new slate and start again. Because that's the option we always have. And it's certainly better than no options at all. I hope there might be something in today's talk that resonates. I'd love to hear from anyone who has any feedback or if you have a story you'd like to share on the podcast, I'd love to hear from you too. Because every story we share could be the story that someone else needs to hear. I'm Elaine Lindsay. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And I look forward to speaking with you again. In the meantime, make the most of your today, every day. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on your favorite service. Suicide Zen Forgiveness was brought to you by Truel Social Media, the digital integration specialists. Let them get you on page one in the search results.